Good morning, Summit family. It's so good to be together. Things have changed in the world. Things are changed in the way that we're even doing the mission of our church, but we're confident that God's giving us great opportunities to reach you through the internet, and we're grateful for that. So we pray that wherever you're at today, whether you're traveling or home with your family, you'll have this opportunity to really join your hearts with ours and worship Jesus. He is our comfort. He's our hope. He's our defense. We have nothing to fear because he's with us all the time and he's always faithful to do the right things in our lives. And so let's pray together as we start this morning. Lord, thank you for your presence here in this place. Thank you for your presence in the homes of your people all over the world, God. Thank you for this ability to be connected online and we're grateful for the opportunities that you're opening up for us, even in the midst of hardships and uncertainty. One thing we know is that you are always certainly faithful to keep your promises for us. And so we worship together as your family, joyfully knowing that you're with us, that you're exalted in heaven, that nothing takes you by surprise, and that you're sovereign over all of the affairs of this world. We take great joy knowing you are our defense. So God, be our defense today. Cause our hearts to come alive with hope and faith. Cause us to endure the things that we're facing in this world. Cause our hearts to magnify your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.
Listen, there are a handful of updates we want to make sure you are aware of. And uh, so let me bring those to you right now. Here's the first one. We are in the process of updating our database and now is more important than any other time in the history of our database. And here's why. We want to make sure we have the correct contact information for you. And uh, as we have need to get information out to you, we want to be able to, we want to make sure we're able to get that information into your hands. So if you would, office at harvestwestolive.org. If you would, would you please send your contact information to us so that we can make sure we have your updated information. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Uh, you know, church, we've gone through a couple of seasons of fasting and prayer together. And uh, the Lord has made it clear to us in the past how he wanted us to be fasting and praying. Well, we're asking, church, that you would come together once again as brothers and sisters in Christ in another season of fasting and praying. We know that this virus is not by accident because God is in control of all things. And we also believe this, that he is using this to get our attention, the church's attention, as well as the world as they have been ignoring him. And so we're asking now that you with the Lord would come together and say, and you'd say, Lord, how do you want me to be fasting? What do you want my fast to look like? Do you want me to skip food for a day? Do you want me to skip food for two days? Do you want me to give up a particular food, skip a meal? However it would happen to be between you and the Lord, you figure that out with him, him, and then we're asking you to pray in this way. Pray first of all for the church, that those in our church that have been asleep and have been ignoring their relationship with Jesus Christ, that he would use this to wake them up. And then number two, there is a world that has been ignoring Jesus. And so we're asking that you would pray for a world that has been asleep and that they would be awakened by what the things that they're seeing today that's causing all kinds of uncertainty. So that's how we want you to be fasting and praying together. While there is no connection book to be passed, can't pass it from house to house, we want you to know that your church is still intending to pray for you. So if you wanna send your prayer request into the church office, please know this, it will be prayed for, and we will get it into the hands of those that have been praying for our church, and you can trust that you will be prayed for, okay? Number three, giving. While we have skinnied everything down at the church, we can. The offices are closed, the heat's been turned back. Understand this, there are still ongoing expenses that continue to come in that still need to be met. And so we're asking that you would not forsake the worshipful act of giving, that you would continue your giving. And while you are at home, there are three different ways that you can give. First, you can give online by simply going to our website and clicking on the online giving uh, button that you will find there. Number two, you can still drop a check in the mail and have it sent to the church. Our mail is being checked a couple of times a week and we'll make sure we receive your check and that it gets deposited. Or you can still simply um, give through your bank and have the bank write a check and, and have that delivered to us. So there are, there are three different ways that you can continue to give um, to meet the needs of the church. And finally, I wanna make sure you, you leave today absolutely encouraged. I know Jasper's word is going to be a strong, strong word of encouragement. But if you remember last week's sermon at the end, verses 20 and 21 of Philippians chapter three, we're reminded of this. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. This world that we live in, our flesh, we are susceptible to disease, to viruses, to brokenness, to sin. But this is not our home. Our citizenship is first and foremost in heaven. And from heaven, we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. Dave Harvey, who is the executive director of the Great Commission Collective, he said it kind of like this. While we have this virus we're facing, this pandemic called COVID-19, there is a greater virus that has been at work since the beginning, and that's the pandemic of sin. 
and our Savior Jesus Christ, He took care of that pandemic at the cross, bringing us access to relationship with Him, and we no longer have to worry about that pandemic. As we are brought into relationship with Him, He seals us, He marks us as His own, He, he declares us a member of His kingdom. His, our citizenship is with Him in heaven. And here's the truth. Whether Jesus comes back now or he comes back a hundred years from now, there's one thing for sure. When he does come back, he's going to take our lowly bodies, the ones that are susceptible to, to temptation and disease and sickness, and he's going to transform us and make us like him and give us new bodies that are not susceptible to those kind of things. And it ends by saying that, that Jesus has the power to enable everything to be in subjection to him. And I know this, everything is in, is, is in subjection to Jesus Christ, even COVID-19. So church, let's trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's do that together. We're gonna close with prayer and we're going to pray um, for a family in particular, a prayer request has been brought to me uh, that I believe we as a church together need to be praying for. We have a family in our church that adopted um, a little boy and, uh, and he's six or seven years old. And some of the challenges that he faces as he comes out of a routine causes um, quite a hardship in the home. And uh, so the parents are, are quite desperate and they're looking for help. So we're going to pray for that family right now. And uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you right now on behalf of this family. Now I would ask Lord Jesus that you would pour yourself out on this family, that your peace that passes all understanding would wash over this, this child, that your peace that passes all understanding would wash over the parents and their other son. Lord, that you would have a mighty, mighty impact into this family. Lord, bring this, bring this child healing. Bring the parents patience. And I pray, Lord, that a world that's watching on would see you doing a mighty work in this family. Lord, bring them relief. Bring them restoration. We pray, Lord, for your mighty hand to be on them. Now, Lord, as we think about our church in general, we would ask, Lord, that you would keep us unified that you would cause us and you would give us reasons to look upon you and to trust in you as you express your sovereign control over everything that is happening around us. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. What you say you'll do You'll be who you've always been to us Jesus Our hope is in you alone Now strength in your mighty name Our peace in the darkest day remains, Jesus. This we know, we will see the enemy run. This we know, we will see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you you are unfailing our God in the wilderness our joy in the heaviness and our way when it seems there is no way Jesus 
Jesus we know we will see the enemy run this we know we will see the victory come we hold on to every promise you ever made Jesus you are unfailing we trust you today trust you we trust you your ways are higher than our own we trust you we trust you your ways are higher than our own we trust you trust you your ways are higher than our own in all things we trust you yes, we do we trust you your ways are higher than our own this we know we will see the right now sing we trust you we trust you your ways are higher than our own we trust you we trust you your ways are higher than our own sing it at home one more time we trust you we trust you trust you your ways higher than our own Amen Good morning Summit Church Pastor Jasper here and excited to get into our sermon for today. Now, hey, I know it's week two, things are different, and we're even doing our sermon a little different this time. We figured with us having to hunker down, prepare to be online for the next couple weeks, foreseeable future, we wanted to provide something a little bit more intimate. So whether you're at home by yourself, whether you're with some small group members, wherever you're at, we hope that this is helpful and that you guys enjoy what's coming your way. So I want to encourage you, I know there are still some unforeseen, uncertain things happening, not only in our country, but around the world, but this is what God has made us for. We as believers, we as those who profess Jesus Christ, nothing should surprise us. Nothing should surprise us. We understand that the world, the world has been subjected to futility and that viruses and disease and pestilence is part of it and there's suffering and there's pain in the world that doesn't depress us and that's not news that we're like yeah but what it is is we're not surprised by it and God has put us here on the world to be light and there's no greater time than times like this to actually be light to people so as we get um, into our lesson today we're gonna see just the sovereignty of God of even preparing this lesson for us if you remember last week 
Todd talked about how we had set this up uh, a year in advance, months in advance, and the day fell where it did, and it just so happened to be uh, where we're at in the book of Philippians. And so today, as we talk about uh, real gospel, real joy, we're going to be talking about peace and anxiety and all of these things, and what better time? Uh, we didn't force it. This is just how God sovereignly planned it, because He knew He knew we would be here at this time, um, facing coronavirus, facing the quarantine, facing uncertainty, and God wants this message for His people. So, hey, maybe you've noticed already as Jasper's been talking, wow, Jasper, you sound like you have coronavirus. I assure you, I, I'm pretty sure that I do not. It's a sinus thing that I got going on. I've had it for a couple weeks now. And I thank you for your patience of dealing with hearing me sound like uh, Darth Vader or like a, a movie trailer announcer in a world. Anyway, let's get into it. Philippians chapter 4. I'll remind you of our... Uh, theme. It's real gospel and real joy. And through the book of Philippians, we have been focusing on how the real, actual, true gospel, the one that is surrounded in faith in Jesus and what he's done for us, produces real joy. Anything outside of the real gospel, any type of joy outside of that will be a substitute. But the real gospel will bring real joy in our life. Last week, Todd reminded us to stand firm. This week, today, Paul is going to tell us what the road to peace looks like. He's going to tell us what the road to peace looks like. And in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 7, is where we're going to find that. I want to, I want to show you verse 7 real quick. Verse 7 is the verse that maybe we all run to in our moments of anxiety. It's, it's the verse that we, we go to desperately wanting God to do this in our life. And it says this, And the peace of God which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. I guarantee you, you know that verse. Maybe you've heard that verse. The interesting thing, though, is we run to this verse wanting desperately the peace in our hearts and our mind when things around us are going crazy. But what we don't stop to do, I would say, is go back and read the verses preceding this. You see, there is peace, yes, that we want peace in our heart and peace in our mind, but there's a road to peace. There's a road to get there, and that road is, paid, that road is paved with several things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at the road to peace, but we're going we're gonna to ask the question, what does the road to peace involve? Or the road paved of peace involves what? That's what we're going to see. One thing I want you to keep your eye out for is the forest versus the summit. Let me remind you why we are Summit Church. We chose that name because we realize we realize that the truth of the gospel and the reality of the spiritual things, the heavenly things, is something that transcends our horizontal perspective. Summit reminds us always to take our eyes off what can be seen and look to what is unseen. Take our eyes off the immediate Temporary truth, the thing that we're facing, the tangible truth we can touch, the forest, the trees that are right in front of us. Take your eyes off that and look to the thing that is greater, the transcendent truth that is true in every aspect of spiritual life. So when we dive into Scripture, really that's what we're doing. We're, we're coming in to a sermon or we're coming into Scripture to take our minds off the forest and the horizontal perspective to dive into the summit and say, God, I need real truth. I need, I need to see reality of what will help me and what I need to see in this moment and not what I can see and I can touch right now. So you're going to see us talk about the forest versus the summit in each one of these points. So let's get into it. The road paved to peace involves some things. So before we get to peace of mind and peace of heart, before we can attack our anxiety, let's ask this. Let's look at this. The road paved to peace involves reconciling differences. In verse 2, Paul introduces two ladies. He says this, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. What in the world is going on here? Paul has this wonderful 
book where he's talking about being, he's in prison and he's talking about how he can rejoice and we hear it always and we hear about the example and the humility of Christ in chapter 2. We're talking about standing firm in the Lord. We're, we're seeing all of these things and then he gets very personal and he calls out and he names two specific ladies. Euodia and Syntyche. We don't know much about them, but what we do know, what we do know from this is that they were disagreeing. They were not following the example of Christ set up in chapter 2, where Paul said, complete my joy by being of the same mind and of one accord. Paul is specifically not only writing to the Philippians, but I think very even more personally writing to these two ladies, Yodia and Syntyche, and he's entreating both of them. The word pleading, entreat. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche. That's a, that's a word of pleading and urging with great grace, great intimacy and love, but also to show that he is not taking sides with these two ladies. And he tells them to do this, agree in the Lord. You see, the road to peace of mine, first and foremost, must start with making sure there's peace with one another. We're not going to experience peace of mind and avoid anxiety if we're constantly fighting with one another. And if there's brothers and sisters who are in the church and among us that we're constantly in disagreement with or fighting with, or if we put our hand out and we stopped. You know, in this situation, it seems like obviously the whole church understood this disagreement because he calls it out as if everyone knows what's going on. And so probably what's happening is the church is being divided. Some are following Euodia, some are following Syntyche, whatever the disagreement is. Some, some suggest it could be a theological disagreement. Whatever it could be, whatever's going on, it has made itself public in the church and it's potentially dividing the church. And so Paul's saying, hey, listen, you want to experience peace? First, you've got to have peace with one another. You need to reconcile your differences. You need to reconcile differences. And he says, agree in the Lord. It's the idea of having the same mind, thinking the same thing, having an attitude that desires to have unity and agreement. And as Jesus prayed, Father, my prayer is that they would be one with one another as you and I are one. This whole idea of unity and stuff is a huge, huge, huge aspect to our Christian walk and to God's will and desire for us. He wants his people to be one. So, let me take you back to this forest versus the summit. Then, before, one second, before we get there, let me read verse 3 really quick. He then says this, Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I know I probably distract you by saying the force and the summit. We're going to come to that here in just a second, but I want to cover verse three before we look at that. He introduces not only these women, but he introduces this true companion that Paul is writing to. Yes, I ask you also, now taking the attention off Euodia and Syntyche to talk about who? This true companion. And he says, help these women. Could be Titus could have been Timothy. We don't know. Someone personal. It even could have been the whole church. And he's saying, you're my true companions. Help these women. Come alongside them and help them to agree in the Lord. Help them in the disagreement. Don't be standing at a difference. Help them reconcile differences. So not only during this time of us trying to experience peace do we have to make sure we're, we're good and reconciling differences with one another. We also as the church need to be helping those that we know are disagreeing reconcile with one another. And he reminds them he reminds them of why this is so important and why they need to take their eyes off the issue at hand and the disagreement, the forest, and put their eyes on the summit. Because he says this, help these women. He reminds them who have labored side by side. They've suffered with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Transcendence. That's the summit. Hey, they, you know, there's something bigger. We've been working and suffering together in the gospel. And then he says this, he reminds them whose names are written in the book of life. You see, that's the summit truth. That's the transcendent truth that will help us reconcile our differences and put our differences to the side and agree in the Lord. So look, look at this, the forest versus the summit. So in this situation, when it comes to reconciling differences, someone who's stuck in the forest, who's not experiencing peace, 
who's disagreeing with someone, maybe the thought that's going through their head as they're looking at the trees in their mind, simply set on things around them, is saying something like this, my thing is more important than your thing, or even you. So what I got going on is more important than you. So I'm going to fight for what I want and what I got going on. Someone who's taking their eyes off that, though, putting their eyes on the summit, what really matters, unity in the Lord, would say something like this. Being one in the Lord is more important than our personal disagreement. Hey, listen, if we want to experience peace, especially during this time with coronavirus, hey, there's nothing that will help unify us and set our differences aside like suffering. And so when we're facing uncertainty and we're facing these times in our life, maybe someone in our church, maybe as you're listening, you know of and you're thinking of someone else who sits in the church who you're a brother and sister with that you've been disagreeing with and squabbling with and fighting against because you've kept your eyes on the forest and you're not looking to the greater truth that there's someone who's laboring side by side with you in the gospel. There's someone else whose names are written in the book of life and there's a greater transcendent truth that God wants you to be willing to agree and be unified despite disagreements. Right? Put the person above you. All right? So we want to experience peace. we got to reconcile our differences. Secondly, this. We want to experience peace. we got to remember this. To rejoice. Verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Hey, listen. we got to rejoice always. No excuses. This is what Paul's saying. He's repeated it through the whole, whole book. And remember, he's in prison. And he's legitimately rejoicing because his eyes... His eyes have been set on the truth that's greater than what's going on around him. He's saying here there is never a reason if you are a believer and if you are in the Lord, there's never a reason to not rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats it again. I will say rejoice. He's almost saying, I don't care. I don't care what you say. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what's going on around you. There's always a reason to rejoice. And if you can't look to God and see the reason for joy in the midst of hardship, then your peace will begin to be sucked away from you. You will experience anxiety. You will experience fear. And you'll forget and you'll take your eyes off what's waiting you in heaven, what God has promised you now, even through your sufferings. You'll forget all of that and you will begin to complain. You'll begin to wonder. You'll be confused and you'll begin questioning God. It is very important for us to remember to rejoice always. No excuses. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. I challenge you, church, I challenge you. Just read through the book of Philippians and you'll see how many times, how many times Paul says to rejoice. Now listen, Paul was experiencing legitimate suffering. So that's why this is not a trite saying. This is why this isn't a cliche. This isn't something to just sniff at. Uh, No pun. (laughs) Sniff at, rejoice always. There's always a reason to rejoice because of the gospel and what God has given us in Jesus despite what we deserve, which is wrath and punishment, but he's given us his son. He's promised us an inheritance. He's guarding our salvation through faith in heaven, waiting for us. He's promised us right now, presently, that he's given us an abundant life that looks past our scenarios. He's promised us that all of our trials will work together for good. James even says we can count it all joy when we fall into various trials. No matter what's going on around us, God has wonderfully and has sovereignly even flipped it upside down, saying that even when when things get harder, there's even more of a reason to rejoice because God's using it to work in you and to draw you closer to Him. And there's nothing better in life than getting closer to God. So even in these moments when we're suffering and there's uncertainty and we don't know what tomorrow holds, we can rejoice because we know God's doing something great in our life. And if if we don't remember that, we don't know that, we don't think that, we'll stop rejoicing. There is a reason to rejoice, and it's not trite. There legitimately is if you're a believer. You want to experience peace, you got to reconcile your differences. Church, we got to rejoice no matter what. So let's look at the forest versus the summit. Someone who's struggling to rejoice would be saying something like this, how can I rejoice when everything around me is crazy? Right? Is that you? Jasper, I hear what you're saying. I hear what Paul's saying. I hear the scripture. How can I rejoice? Everything around me is crumbling. My job is uncertain. Maybe I've lost my job. My family, I'm worried about sickness. I'm worried about someone I love perishing because of this virus. 
how can I rejoice during this time? You see, if that's what's going through your mind, that's what you're thinking, that should be an indicator than you that your mind is stuck simply on the forest. You're only looking at the things of the earth around you. You don't have the vertical perspective that we desperately need. Someone who's looking to the summit, though, would say something like this. The joy I have in Jesus is bigger than the pain I experience in life. You see, that's actually true. But the person who has their eyes on the summit is remembering that and thinking that. And there's nothing that could come around them that will steal their joy. Got to reconcile our differences. We got to remember to rejoice always if we want to, if we want to get up, stay on the road to peace. And then look at this. This is an interesting one. Thirdly, we need to be showing reasonableness. Showing reasonableness. Letting everyone see something in us. He says this. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Okay, we need to take a second to talk about this verse because when I first read it, I'm like, okay, what does this verse have to do with everything? What does reasonableness mean? Well, let's talk about it for a second. Well, first he uses this word let. He's not saying go and be reasonable. He's using the word let. Let implies that you already have it in you. You just need to let it come out of you. We learn from Ephesians, the only reason we have anything good within us is because it's God, God the Spirit that fills us. And then in Philippians, it is Him who works in us both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So if He's in us, good things will come out of us, but we hinder it. So now He's saying, no, let God come out of you. And He says, there's something that needs to come out of you uses the word reasonableness. This is a word in the Greek where no one English word can capture what it truly means. Other translations have used the word gentleness or the word graciousness. And he says, let that be known to everyone. I got a quote here from for you that I want to show you from uh, Moses Silva. He says this, the word reasonableness reflects an attitude of contentment with one's state even when one has not been treated justly. In other words, Paul expects believers to be guided by a frame of mind that does not put priority on personal rights. Believers whose primary concern is whether or not they are being dealt with fairly will fail to exercise a fundamental element of Christian behavior, preferring others above themselves. Isn't that what we learned in Philippians chapter 2? The whole example of Jesus was that he came to serve, humbled himself and came to serve was obedient to the Father, and he put others first. When we look at this word reasonableness, we're thinking about this word gentleness or graciousness, this idea that I am content, I am content to be treated unfairly, and I'm not going to put myself and what I demand above someone else. Graciousness, I think is a good word, because you're giving grace to everyone even if they don't deserve it, right? So this word is someone who says, you know what? I'm going to treat everyone else fairly, but I'm not going to be demand to be treated fairly when I'm not. Very interesting when you think about these two ladies that he's writing to who are reconciling their differences. It would seem that they're not letting their reasonableness be shown to one another. And everyone around them in the church is being affected by them holding back this uh, wonderful fruit of the Spirit, and they're all being affected by it. You know, it's very important. These things are very important because it is not only just affecting us, but everyone else around us. People need to see this in us. People need to see that Jesus is real, and they'll see it not only by God's Word, but they'll see it by the transformation of God's Word in our life. So who is it? Who is it, again, that maybe you're disagreeing with it? What are the scenarios in your life where, you know what, I'm demanding justice, I'm demanding be treated right, and I'm more concerned with how others treat me and how I'm treated than making sure that everyone else experiences grace and reasonableness for me. You, you know, have you ever said the thing that there's no voice of reason there? You've been with someone, right? There's, there's, there, there's no talking to them. You can't get through. It's just a wall and no voice of reason. They have their side and they're standing on it. What do you have when you have two people who are acting like that? You have a war that'll never end. That's why Paul doesn't even get, he doesn't even get concerned with taking a side with these two ladies because it's not about the content of what they're disagreeing with. Their hearts, their hearts are not Christ-like and they're affecting everyone in the church. 
because they're standing firmly on something that's a disagreement and something that wasn't worth standing on above the unity of the church, right? So there are legitimately things that are worth standing on and not moving. This wasn't one of those. And we have many things in our life that are not worth standing on at the expense of unity. So we want to experience peace. The road to peace is paved with several things, reconciling differences, rejoicing always, no excuses, and then being reasonable, showing that, letting that come out of us and showing reasonableness and gentleness to everyone. So the force versus the summit. Someone who's struggling with this might be saying this, you have offended me. How dare you? I'm right. You're wrong. This isn't fair, right? That's someone who's not reasonable, not gracious, not showing that. Eyes are just on what's going on around them, preferring themselves. Someone who's looking to the summit would say something like this. I just want everyone to experience the grace, the grace of Jesus through me. I've experienced it from God. I want everyone else to experience it in me. Is that where your heart is? You know, during this time of quarantining and toilet paper running out and everyone would go to the grocery store and food running out and our and our luxury and comfort going from like 2,000% to like 1,000% um, can cause us to get restless and maybe cause us to stop being reasonable. Next thing. Next thing that the road to peace is paved with is this. Believing God is with you. Actually believing in your heart that God is with you. Look what he says here. He says, the Lord is at hand. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. Why is this important? Think of the phrase, the Lord is at hand. In these moments, when we feel uncertainty and chaos, the temptation is to think, God is not with me. He has left us. He is not here. He has abandoned us, right? The heart felt emotion, the reality of what's going on in our in our soul that we may not even let out around others, but we feel it inside. You know, we question God, are you really there? Are you really here? Are you really with us? The Lord is at hand. The Bible tells us that God is near to the brokenhearted, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. We're told that the Lord will go with you. You know, when we talked about anxiety several months ago, um, I had mentioned that there's over 300 different verses in Scripture that God tells us not to fear and not to be afraid. And every time he says that, it always has to do with his presence or his power on behalf of us, right? His presence with us or his power for us. Presence with us or power for us. And it's replete through Scripture. God's constantly wanting his people to understand and to see truly that he cares for us and he's with us. Remember when Todd just a few days ago encouraged us through Facebook, talking about how he woke up in the morning and he heard the birds and he was reminded about how God cares for us and loves us even more so than the birds that he takes care of them. Right? God is with you. God's with you, church. You watching this and have you been thinking and feeling, right, the emotion that, you know, something's wrong, God's not with me. Maybe you're even, all you can think about are your failures and how you've let him down in your sins. And, and you're thinking and you're feeling guilt and conviction and you have, maybe you think, a legitimate reason to think God's not with you because of your failure. Like, listen, when did you ever stop being a sinner who's weak in the flesh, who's groaning in the flesh? That never goes away. God knows that. That's why he sent Jesus. And so he's not surprised when you and your own strength and you and your own power will let him down. That's why Jesus is there, because it's all about Him. And that's why it's a gift of grace. God doesn't want us boasting. He wants us weak. And He wants us strengthened in our weak as we depend on Him. And we come to Him because He's next to us and with us always. Do not believe the lie that God is not with you right now. He's with us all. Be encouraged by that. You must believe that God is with you. You must believe it. So let's look at the forest versus the summit. Someone who's stuck in the forest, not experiencing peace, what's going through their mind? God has left me because I'm suffering, right? I'm experiencing these things around me, so I conclude God's not with me. That's not true. But that's someone whose eyes are simply stuck on the trees that are around them. Someone who's looking past the forest onto the summit says this, God will never leave me nor forsake me because he said so. Replacing what you feel with what you know. Want to experience peace? We must believe and know that God is with us always. Now look at this one. Road to pave, the road paved to peace 
is paved with several things, one of them being this praying with thanksgiving. He says this in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You see, the issue when things are getting chaotic and things start to get crazy is it's not that, it's not that either one, we don't pray, or two, when we do pray, it's, it's, always, it's always demands for help and demands for God to give us things. And we forget to be thankful. The reason this praying with thanksgiving is highlighted, because this is a highlight here, and this is very, very important. One, he says, don't be anxious about anything, and that's sandwiched between the Lord being at hand and then praying in a certain way. Right? So believe God is with you. Don't be anxious. Instead, do this. In everything, no matter what it is, I don't care how little or how big it is, everything, by prayer and supplication, right? Bringing your concerns, bringing your requests, asking God, letting Him hear your heart and your pain, just talking with Him, let Him have everything in every situation. Bring these to Him. But then He says this, with thanksgiving. You see, in Colossians chapter 4, we are told, to continue in prayer, watch in the same with thanksgiving. Or in other words, guard your prayers with thanksgiving. What happens when you stop being thankful, right? Stop being thankful, right? Then the doom and the gloom, the cloud starts to come over, right? You forget what God has actually done for you and what he's currently doing for you. You forget your blessings. You forget that you legitimately have a reason to be thankful, no matter what's going on. You stop being thankful. Your prayers become panicky. They come filled with anxiety, and the thanksgiving itself will actually guard and help guard your prayers itself. Thanksgiving is extremely important. There's always a reason to be thankful, church. Even if things get worse, and even if things go into the worst-case scenario, remember what Job said? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's almost like if God were to take everything from us right now, we would simply be resetting or being restored to our default setting, which is naked. We came into the world naked and exposed with nothing. Everything that we currently have has been given by God anyway. God's common grace, where he brings the rain on the just and the unjust. Remember, we don't deserve anything. The only thing we rightfully and fairly deserve is God's judgment and his wrath. And so the fact that he would even be good to us and give us things and provide for us is his goodness and he promises he always will because he knows what we need there's always a reason to be thankful and when we stop being thankful we forfeit peace and our prayers become anxious our screams become anxious so look at the forest versus the summit someone who's missing this stuck in the forest this is what their prayers look like give me help me why me right it's not wrong to ask to ask for help, to ask for things, and to ask why me. The psalmist did it all the time, but it is wrong to not include your thanksgiving there and to be gra grateful for what God has given us. Someone who's got their eyes on the summit says something like this, Anything good I have comes from the Lord, yet I deserve wrath. Thank you, Lord. Also, please help me. <laughs> Anything good I have comes from the Lord, yet I deserve wrath. Thank you, Lord. Also, please help me. Someone's got their eyes on the summit. So, the road paved to peace is paved with several things, right? We want peace, right? So that means we got to reconcile our differences. It means we got to rejoice always, right? So the road paved to peace is paved with several things leading up now to the verse that we all run to first, though, to try to experience peace. Look at this. The result of these things and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The result of walking the road to peace, which involves several things, reconciling our differences, rejoicing always without excuse, showing reasonableness, right, praying with thanksgiving, all of these things leads up to peace. And the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Jesus Christ. 
Notice whose peace it is. It is the peace of God. Notice how, how much you can quantify it. Not at all. It says it surpasses understanding. So in your human brain, you will not be able to make sense of why you will experience peace when the fire is going on around you. This is the peace of God that surpasses understanding, will, guaranteed, right, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will do this. It will take your thought process and it will keep it on the summit. That's the point. It's going to guard your mind. It's not going to let your mind wander into realms that God's child shouldn't. And a lot of times that's, that's mostly where our anxiety goes. We allow the enemy to pull us away, isolate us, and start thinking unbiblical, untrue things about ourselves and about God. And it leads us into conclusions that cause us to be anxious. So the peace of God will guard your mind and guard your hearts, which would be like the center of emotion. Mind and heart, very similar. Emotions, all of that wrapped up in it. So there's a surpassing, understanding peace that we experience on the road to peace, God's road to peace, that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But there are several things we must do. Listen, is there someone in the church that you're disagreeing with? Someone that you God's convicting you right now, right? This is a good time during the uncertainty, a good time when God has something big going on, bringing our eyes to how big He is to reconcile with those people. Listen, rejoice always. Regardless of coronavirus and everything going on, there's a reason to rejoice always. Rejoice always. Also this, don't become selfish during this time. Let your reasonableness, your graciousness, let it come out. Don't hold it back. Let it come out and let everyone see it because that's going to be something that's going to show people that Jesus is real in you. right? People need to experience that because panic perpetuates panic. But soft answer turns away wrath. And people need to experience Jesus in us. Let people experience the reasonableness within you, right? And then let's pray always, always remembering to be thankful. Pray always, always remembering to be thankful. And then this one, I want us to end on this one. I kind of put it at the end, but I wanted us to end on it. Always remember God is with you no matter what. No matter what, no matter how isolated you feel, no matter what's going on, always remember God is with you. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Some of the church, we love you. We are praying for you. And we encourage you, I encourage you to take time to really reflect over this, this portion of Scripture and ask God how He would want to use it in your life right now to help you during this time because He sovereignly planned for this word to come to us now. Let me pray. Father, I pray for us. I pray for our church. And even though that we are, we are distant, we're social distancing, we are, not, we are not distancing ourselves from your word or from fellowship via social media. So God, with whatever means that we can, we will come to one another and we will come to you and ask for you to help us during this time. Help us to be your body, to be light, to be the church to the world. Then God, calm our hearts. Help us to stay on the road to peace, not the road to anxiety. And help us to trust you and honor and glorify you during this time because you are testing us in the wilderness right now. So God, we thank you and we pray and ask that you be with us during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing together. My foes are many. They rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm. My help is on the way, my help is on the way. Oh my God, you will not delay. My refuge and strength always I will not fear His promise is true My God will come through always yeah. Always 
sing this. I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord. Giving him all of our fears, casting all our anxieties upon him. I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord. Expecting him to keep his promises to a thousand generations. I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord. I hope the kids are singing with us this morning. Let faith arise and sing these words. I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord. one more time. I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord. I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord. We love you so much, family. We're praying for you. We're available to you. We want you to get in touch with us. You can email the office at office at harvestwestolive.org. You can go to our webpage, harvestwestolive.org forward slash contact and find all the contact information for our leadership team. We're carrying this burden in our hearts for you. We love you and we're trusting that God is going to be so faithful to you in this season. We just want to remind you to look around where the needs are that you can meet. Look at the opportunities to display a confidence in God. Look at the opportunities to teach your children the gospel and how very real and present God is in the time of need. We love you very much. And so as we conclude this time of worship, just know as always that you are loved. I lift my eyes up.